In a world controlled by passionless conglomerates, there's a place where artisanal producers bravely break the boundaries and craft wine, beer, and spirits their own way. That place is Tin City, and this is their story. You've tuned in to the Tin City Podcast with Patrick Brooks and George Newmare. And ladies and gentlemen, enthusiasts of Tin City alike, we are back with the Tin City Podcast after a harvest hiatus, and we're here to talk about all things Tin City. And a few things that aren't. Today, we're here with Carl Bowker of Kaliza and End of Day Wines, as well as his right-hand man, Andy Neha. I say Neha, right? Neha. Neha. It's a very complicated name. It's super difficult. Four letters. It's four hard. letters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, your four letter you name. School teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard lots of four letter words, and yours is definitely one of them. Hey boys, rock and roll. We're here with the Tin City Podcast. Let's crack a lemonade to begin this. Oh, oh yeah. the sweet sound. Ooh. You like that, huh? Fresh, oh, fresh, lemony. No scurvy here. Cheers, gentlemen. Thanks Cheers, for joining boys. us. Cheers. Thanks Cheers. For being here. Clink, clink, clink. Clink, clink. Yeah, yeah. it's not as romantic as a can, is it? You can still do that. That's pretty good. That's refreshing. Yeah. It's definitely not as romantic as popping a bottle, right? That's one of those things like with um, uh, screw tops. I, I don't see any. Well, I do see some screw tops. Screw tops are great. I'm a huge fan of screw tops. Cans, these are great closures for lots of different products. But it's never going to be as romantic as popping a cork, yeah, right? For sure. But there's the right place at the right time for different closures or different bottling vessels. Yeah, For sure. Cans, they keep everything nice and fresh. It's like. Coors Light. Only better. Only better. Isn't that one of the, the, the beers, uh, George, at the Barrel House that uh, you guys originally made was the Templeton, right? Mm-hmm. And the end, they said, George, I want you to make me Coors Original. Yeah. He's like, can you make it a banquet? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know what you mean. It kind of caught me off. I guard. didn't learn of the, that at UC Davis. What's a banquet? And uh, he like ordered me, one of, one of the owners ordered me a beer at a bar and had it in glass. So I didn't know what it was. And, you know, like in a, in a pint glass. And he was like, what does this taste like to you? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, isn't it amazing? I'm like, it's, it's all right. What is it? And he's like, it's the most amazing beer you'll ever have. I need you to make it. I'm like, well, what is it? And he's like, Coors Banquet. It's <laughs> like, oh, yellow bellies. The finest. Yeah. So that's what Templeton was supposed to be. But now Templeton has morphed into something entirely different. It's called Standard Ale. It is a lager, but it's like your classic clean, something you don't have to really think about. But we do give it a little kiss of a dry hop with uh, Australian Galaxy Hops. So, you know, it's craft beer. I, I don't want it yeah, to be... But it's just like Templeton itself, right? Forgettable. It, it, it's not the Templeton we remember. We've got all these world-class winemakers here making amazing wines and really elevating the, the area, right? Just like that beer. And one of those is definitely Carl with Kaliza and End of Day Wine. Yeah, thanks for having us here in your, in your uh, barrel room. It, it smells glorious. It smells of, like, vanilla right. and, like, just, like, cocoa. Is that is that just the barrels? A lot of new oak. Or are you guys you guys making mochas back there? Is no, there we're not a making cappuccino mochas, bar. Yeah, for sure. You know, part of the dynamics of the fermentation is probably smelling some of those things. But yeah, you're sitting right next to the barrels, no doubt. Are you we, barrel fermenting in here? We we barrel ferment uh, a lot of our whites and some of our rosés, but typically the reds. Um, you know, in years past we would pop the heads off some barrels and we yep. ferment them, but. As we've grown, those smaller vessels just become a real pain in the ass, and uh, it's better to just use something larger format. I mean, yeah. again, I don't mean to be large. We're a tiny little winery, but, um, you know, fermenting, you know, an eighth of a ton at a time is 
kind of difficult. So <laughs> for sure, that's do, small potatoes, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we it also do. takes up a lot of space, right? So it's all these little ferments take up so much space when we can can't stack them. Utilize that space a lot more efficiently with different tanks and things like that. Yeah, so you can't see it from here, but around the corner where the barrel room is, we actually have the, the uh, current vintage of wines yeah. that, are, that are dry, and and but um, we also have lots of rosés and whites that are still fermenting along. But um, you know, we're at the end 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 of the harvest season, so uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that, hopefully that, they're going dry in the next day or two. Oh, they're gonna get there, man. You know, most everything's dry at this point. We only got a couple of whites that are just hanging out. Yeah, have you guys you, ever add uh, rescue to it? We've had to add rescue at times, yeah, yeah and doing any restarts or something like that. Freaking amazing, we, it, we yeah, it, we found that that really helps on the on the restarts for sure. Get, Even with uh, any toxins that are in there out of there, and and, and the it yeast kicks are right back up, yeah. yeah, for sure. Or maybe mo- moving uh, the the ferments to the sun does that help a little bit more? Like bring them outside. <laughs> no. We no. do all we yeah. do all those yeah. fun yeah. things. <laughs> you whisper sweet nothings to the barrels yeah. or to the ferments too. No, there's, no. There is a forty eight S sitting out back in this that was purposely put there for the sun oh. to keep it warm before we press it tomorrow. There you go. Okay. So, uh, but most a, of the things we do, we have the capability to heat in here. So, okay. Um, what about that pole over there? Do you dance on that pole for uh, for the what pole are you <laughs> for, talking for, about? For the barrels, Andy. Is that your you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know where end of day wines is. It's literally at the end of this cul-de-sac over here. If you drive through Tin City, you're, you're gonna. Run into the building. You can't miss this place. And you definitely got to come here and drink some of the wines. Carl, this is not your first rodeo making wine over here, right? I mean, you've you've been making wine for a couple years? Yeah, this is uh, Kaliza's 17th harvest uh, yeah? right now. So, yeah, a few years. Been playing around with it. And, uh, um, yeah, for, for, for you know, we, we still don't own our own building. And so we're here we are leasing a building. But this is uh, we've been in this building now for three years. Uh, making This is our third harvest in here. Um uh, but we've been kind of gypsies for all those 16 years. And when we started out with our, uh, you know, we have an estate vineyard uh, over on the west side of town off of 46 West on Anderson Road. Um, we started making wines uh, for the first four years in our, our neighbor's winery at Booker when they first started up. We were there for four years. Then we moved down the street to our friends at Gray Wolf, where made our wines there for a couple of years. And then Tin City started to happen with the wine scene and some other friends of ours came down here uh, uh, Scott Hollywood Torin and, and Nick at Nicora and they leased the building just two buildings away yeah. from us and they said would you come on in with us and part of the hook there was that um, all these times I w- was uh, moving Kaliza to different facilities which was great by the way because I love the collaboration of the, the industry and, and you know learning from each other especially in the early years but uh, we Kaliza owned all the crush equipment that you could possibly need oh, so yeah. I had the hook that said when somebody got a building or needed some somebody in their building that had crush equipment I could bring the building I could bring the equipment and they could use it and that would be my rent for the building. Damn good. So it worked you out are really, a gypsy. I really like well. it. <laughs> so, um, so I've been here in Tin City for, uh, Kaliza has been making wines here in Tin City for a, a number of years, a couple of years at uh, what's now the Nakora building, a couple of years, uh, four years we leased the building in connection with Jacob Toffer yep. around the, right across the cul-de-sac here. And then um, it got to be that Kaliza was making far too much wine and Jacob was trying to grow at, at Jacob Toff and um, – we were talking about stuff outside every day. It was a uh, it was a uh, this pull parade of out. forklifts to pull everything out. We covered every bit of this parking lot with yeah. stuff, um, fermenting bins and things of that nature. It just got a bit old. And then this space where we're in now, 
became available and uh, jumped on jumped it. Jumped on it. Yeah, for sure. So, so and now you got a home. It's great that we have our own place. You know, we custom crush for a couple of people, but it's very small scale. So it's mostly making Kaliza wines, end of the day wines. And now Andy started his own brand, and, and we're making uh, part of the, the the process. Those wines are being made here as well. Oh yeah, we're going to get into that too. The R and D part of all this is fun. You guys cover a lot of territory when it comes to R and D as well. A lot of it's estate grown. Right at Kaliza. Uh, the Kaliza wines are all uh, uh, predominantly estate. That, that that is the whole idea is to uh, have a sense of place. So Paso Robles, of course, the Willow Creek district, and then really narrowing it down to our amazing vineyard site. And yeah, probably you know we we think one of the best in all the Paso Robles, and we certainly in the region. A lot, you know, we rub rub shoulders on various property lines with some of the best of, of Paso Robles. So oh, yeah. Um, and we think our site grows some amazing Rhone and other varieties. So, yeah, we try to feature predominantly a state-grown uh, state fruit in our Kaliza wines. That's not to say we won't go out and buy a little bit of fruit here and there. And we, we do one of the wines we're going to try today, if we get to it, because there's a whole lot of bottles on this table. Um, <laughs> we'll try. One of the, we can at least try, because many of them are open. One of them is a blend we call Companion, which is Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah. It really pair well together. Initially, when we started making it, we were using fruit that I was growing at my home property, where my literally where my home, Pam and I live, but that vineyard um, didn't uh, didn't survive very well in the first drought that I've mm. experienced it. Yeah. So um, we started having to source fruit, and now we source all that Cabernet Sauvignon. But the state uh, provides the raw piece of that. Kaliza is on all sorts of labels. Yeah, and yeah. it's been on a lot more over the years. But now we make we need to make more wine for the brand, so we keep a bit more of it. But I mean, it's it's stellar. It's the you know I'm I patting ourselves on the back, but it is some of the best fruit that you could get so why not feature that in our estate but it is fun to get out and, and source fruit and uh so that we'll and i know we'll talk about it later but the end of the day series of wines all under the Kaliza umbrella um are is made with all sourced fruit so that's okay. a differentiating factor should we talk about that kind of towards the end of the day <laughs> play good play <laughs> so would you say you're a grower first is, was that originally where you started yeah, that was your passion. That's totally my yeah. I, I mean, I came from a horticulture side of the world, okay. uh, um, a, a combination of horticulture and event business. Um, but I had greenhouses and nurseries in three western states for a while, growing plants and renting them at conventions and trade shows. So I had um, about twenty three years of growing experience. And then when uh, the passion to to make and grow uh, to make wine and grow grapes came, I went back to school and. Uh, Went to, you know, got some, I went and did a lot of the extension courses at UC Davis. I went to mm-hmm. uh, the Napa Valley College and, and took their full two-year associate wine and vit program. Wow. Those are probably pretty good institutions when it comes to. They were fun. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah both, both uh, of course, Viticulture Davis. Viticulture and Grape Davis. Yeah. I, you know, for me, it was, I already had a college degree. I didn't want to, want or need to take the time to go back to school and get another four-year degree. Yeah. From from day one, the, the, for me, the, the idea was I wanted to have control over the process. I wanted to be the farmer and the winemaker. And, you know, over the course of the years, you know, the, the team's grown. Andy, Andy's really you know, a big integral part in the winemaking here. Probably c- I couldn't have got through the last couple of harvests without him, quite frankly. It's always still my goal to, to, to grow the fruit, to control the quality of the fruit, to put the best fruit possible forward, and then... And then let that fruit sing in the wine. You know, we don't, we don't, Kaliza wines are, are pure. They're just fruit and they're just what mother nature gives us. And we let them sing and let the vintage and the fruit and the, and the vineyard speak for itself. My first introduction to Kaliza wine, it was before I ever met you personally. Years ago, I was bartending 
And this is before I, I ever got to know you, got to know that your passion behind the wine, got to know your passion behind the growing process, how dynamic of an individual you are. This wine comes across my you know, glass, and I taste it, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is made in Paso Robles? I couldn't believe it. Bouquet of beautiful, juicy fruit. It blew me away. It was your azimuth. Uh, that, was, that was my introduction, and I just start popping this bottle of wine by for the by the glass every single night at this hotel and people were coming and raving about oh you still got that open by the glass and i mean it was it was it rocked my world and then i got to meet you got to meet the the person behind it like that's so one of the coolest things about pastoral was one of the coolest things about tin city right is meeting the uh the producers behind that fruit it just makes it all the better when you get to know carl and what you put into the wine too. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I but I de- definitely agree with you about the passion of of the you know the industry and you know whether it's brewing or, or winemaking, you know those of us that are here doing it, it's because we want to be doing it. Yeah. And uh, you know it's just not a gig uh, or a job. It's uh, something. Sure, we want to make money. We want to make a you know a living off of it, but we we do it because we love it and we love what we produce and. Um, this shows. I'm happy to say that, yeah, the, the, I'm happy to hear that you thought it showed in the bottle. That I mean, that azimuth, um, sorry, we, I told you earlier, but I, I failed to bring a bottle of that because I knew you liked it. But uh, no, that's okay. that like azimuth is our flagship. I mean, that is the wine that got me, the, that style of wine is what got me in the business. I love the wines of the Rhone Valley. We are very strongly Rhone producers and, and ha- most of our vineyard is planted or those Rhone varieties. But If you draw a line across the earth latitudinally, right, like Pastor Robles, Rhone Valley or... Pretty close. Right, pretty close. Pretty, pretty you know. close. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's significant differences, of course. We're in California. We had this. For like, sure, yeah. We rock. There's no rules here. <laughs> you can do whatever the hell you want. That there too. are no rules, that baby. And we, you know, universally have better weather, um, yeah. more consistent weather in, in California. And even if we didn't, we would still tell people we did, too. Yeah, or we'd say it with a French accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, on that note, what's yeah, the so first what one? Brought, so what we have on the table, because because the first wine, the first, you know, you said an aha moment. For me, the first aha moment really about wine, I, my family didn't, we didn't think when I was growing up, wine wasn't on the table. I wasn't really involved with it. But my first my aha. My favorite winemakers say that. That <laughs> didn't come from a, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't get the chance to drink, you know, 1979, uh, you know, uh, Mouton Rothschild, and uh, like that's not like a thing that most winemakers say. Like that they were that wasn't part of their their livelihood growing up. Yeah, you know? yeah. So for, um, so for for me, one of the you know, my as my wife Pam and I were were exploring wines in our lives well before we thought about getting in the wine industry. One of the varieties that really caught my attention was Grenache. Um, it happened to be a Santa Barbara producer, but regardless, I that that. That got me geeked out about wine and, mm-hmm. and wanting to get into it more and more. Um, and I could talk forever about, about Grenache, and I could talk forever about grapes and varieties and all that good stuff. But what I brought, uh, what's on the table here, and I wanted to start with is, uh, um, uh, and I, I've heard some of your other podcasts where you've, uh, you've chatted a bit about uh, concrete and some of the other fun things, which we as small producers get to do. We get to play with uh, and f- try different things. So this is... Uh, uh, a 2015. I love the uh, color. Uh, Grenache that we uh, aged in a concrete tank, so we cool. call it concrete Grenache. Um, uh, phonetically spelled out, the concrete. I like that. <laughs> um, 
I'm sort of teasing because those are those 10 or 15 people that listen to our, this podcast uh, might be interested in this wine. We probably have 10 or 15 bottles left. Oh. Uh, but at the tasting room. But, Get in uh, here now. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, I, thought, I wanted to start with something older, something a little bit funky. We don't do this every year. We actually have some concrete from 2020, oh, yeah. 2021 and uh, some Grenache in the, in the tank for 2021. But um, I don't know. Andy, you might have had this more recently than I have, but I, I wanted to. I like to I like to revisit, you know, to see how they're progressing. So this is a bit of lighter style Grenache, and, and yeah. uh, 2015 the, was um, we we tend to make a little more bolder wines. Um, but uh, this is uh, uh, 2015 brought us a little bit lighter colored fruit and a little bit uh, more dainty, and um, and then the concrete tends to somewhat bleach it a little bit in the sense, uh, um, but a really uh, interesting earthy minerality character comes through with it it's delicate and pretty and like i i know where your vineyard is and this doesn't this seems like more of like a it drinks more like a colder climate grenache than it does for something that you're going to find over and it looks more like yeah like a light pinot yeah than what i was Very expecting pin- pinot-esque yeah. gr- gr- grenache sure. is one of those varietals you can kind of like like point in a direction or another right you can kind of show who the boss is yeah you know i mean mother nature's the boss yeah but, uh um yeah this uh, this this particular vintage was just was just harder to build color. I mean, we'll we'll try some other wines here. You know, you know our wines, Patrick, from having uh, enjoyed them before. They're they're they're, you know, they're they're bold. They're they're um, we we have the ability from this site and from our winemaking style to, to capture the full essence of sure. the varieties. And would you and this, say um, this is quite different from this is a, a fairly non Kaliza style, but. It was kind of, you know, we were having totally. fun. We were having fun. We were kind of geeking out. We wanted to see what we do. That is know? fun. That's pr- it's, it's pretty. It's different. It's different. And that's the fun thing about even, like I said, Tin City and the collaboration. And just, you know, somebody, uh, you know, our neighbor, Riley, was talking to us about some varieties she'd never played with the, before. And and we were all just talking about different. Try this. Try this. And of course, we wanted to try stuff we've never done before so we could try her <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do it first. Let's see how that works. <laughs> so... Now it, it being lighter, does that um, is that better? You know, like I, I always think of like a much darker, more tannic wine, and and barrels go together very well. Now, when a when a wine is lighter like this, um, putting that in something more neutral, like you know, like um, stainless steel or concrete, does yeah. that kind of balance it better? I think that way the the oak doesn't overpower. You know, we. You know, less polyphenols in this wine than 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 you would in some of the others. And you want so, the fruit to be expressive. Yeah. So. Uh, you know this. Um, you know, tasting this now. I mean, most of our wines, uh, we we build them and we craft them so that you can enjoy them upon release. We actually uh, barrel age and bottle age for a good period of time, almost uh, almost two years, almost three years, as a matter of fact, um, two and a half, three years before they're released. Because the idea is we want them to be enjoyable upon release. There's nothing worse than saying, "Hey, this wine will be good in a couple of years." Yeah, don't buy touch it, it. But buy it now. Yeah, yeah no, that's silly. We did that for you. It's enjoyable now, but um, we put enough stuffing in these wines. We, we, you know, have been doing this for a while that we know these wines also have ageability. This particular wine, maybe not the length of ageability of some of the others. This, maybe this is quaffable, and we should drink this in the next few years, uh, whereas our, our um, typical estate Grenache, you know, probably has, you know, 10 or 15 years of ageability. Wow. Yeah, and this concrete definitely early on was a lot more expressive with the fruit. And now you're getting a lot more of that herbaceousness and kind of that leather kind of character that's, that's shining through. Like, don't you want to do this with like lamb or something? Like a, yeah. uh, it's, it's a great food wine for sure. Yeah, 
for sure. Yeah. Or just sipping. Maybe a little. You know, we we don't we don't make wines to chill. You know, but I know and I know that's really trendy now. But this one might be one that you would put a little bit of chill on it too. Sure. On so a hot summer day. On a hot day. Oh we're, yeah, by the we're, pool. We're in the fall now, so it's hard to relate. But not too many weeks ago, we were we were struggling through some pretty. <laughs> I don't know. Days. Falling past <laughs> Robles is still. Pretty <laughs> Hotter than a lot of places on earth, right? All right. We're, gonna, we're rocking into the next wine as soon as we come back. This is the Tin City Podcast. We're here with Carl and Andy at Kaliza and End of Day Wines. And what are you calling yours again, Andy? Karn Wine Cellars. Karn. 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 I like it. One syllable. <laughs> I'm really fucking up these, uh, <laughs> these short words. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with it in just a second on the Tin City Podcast. Rock and roll. You're listening to the Tin City Podcast with George Newmare and Patrick Brooks. Wineshine and Tin City Distillery is more than just vodka or whiskey. It's an idea distilled down to its most passionate form. The idea that the Central Coast represents California in its purest sense. Our spirits are crafted to embody just that. Forged with intention and local wisdom, our brandy, vodka, gin, whiskey, and canned cocktails are created for you. Okay, we're back. Did you miss us? We missed you. We, we all have Kaliza wine in our hands. Hope that you, our dear listener, have the same thing. Or vodka, if not, make beer. an appointment. Make a tasting appointment now. That's right. This very moment. You get your ass down here. Go online to... Uh, KalizaWinery.com. Or endofdaywines.com. Yeah, so let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. I mean, we're going to try some more Kaliza wines, but I want to make it really, really clear because I think it's important. These are two different lines of wine under the Kaliza umbrella, and right. therefore we choose to have two separate tasting rooms. Yeah. You can't come to Tin City and try the Kaliza estate wines. You can't go to our estate tasting room on Anderson Road off of 46 right, and try, the, and try the end of day wines. We want them to be, you know, we, we make them. They all get made here at the same cellar, the same winemaking team, the amazing winemaking team. Um, but uh, do you hear that down there? <laughs> uh, um, but, but, but I feel as, I felt from the very beginning that it was, and we'll, again, we'll talk about more about end-of-the-day wines. But if you, if you uh, want to try the Kaliza wines, um, KalizaWinery.com, we'd be happy to book an appointment for you. We're open five days a week for tasting. Those other two days a week. Even if we're available, we'll have tastings for you. Hey, what a, what a and fella. The end, and the end of the day wines are, uh, the website is endofthedaywines.com. So two separate spots, all under the Kaliza umbrella, same team. My recommendation is to make a tasting appointment at both wineries. I like your style. In the same day. I like your style. Yeah, then you get the best yeah. of both worlds, right? Well, come down to Tin yeah. City, which is a bo- you know a blast. It's always fun. Just have a beer or two or three and then... You know, at Barrel House, and then roll down here and have some great wines, and then, you know, stick around for the food and the fun in the evening. There's lots of concerts and music and a lot yeah. of fun stuff. Maybe go have some hooch with uh, Patrick here at uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've we've got you, that you for still, sure. You still pour the you know pour the whiskey on the counter and light it on fire? Of course. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> That's a show. What kind of place would we be if we didn't do that, right? <laughs> when you have flammable things, yeah. you light them I on fire. So you notice as a kid, we, my my dad would always we we would call them wooies. He would finish the bottle of wine, a bottle of um, whatever he's drinking, um, yeah. bourbon or whatever, and then we turn all the lights off and he'd drop a match in it and go woof. <laughs> Dad, you're not drinking enough. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, uh, it's. I hope there's uh, not a sad ending to this story. <laughs> Nobody should ever try this at home. But we do it with uh, like high proof spirits in like a uh, one of the big five gallon water jugs, right? What? Yeah, you swish around the high proof spirit. Don't even tell and people about. Oh my god. No. <laughs> you, 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 people you listen. A, there are ten or fifteen people listening. I know to the all podcast. ten or fifteen of you. I hope you're not pyromaniacs. <laughs> yeah, you drop a little match and it, and it makes this this fun noise. And how much alcohol is in this five gallon? You you, you empty it out. So it, well, it's okay. the same yeah. principle. Instead of a seven fifty bottle, you're using a larger. So it's a bigger yeah. bigger show. Yeah, just exactly. Just make more it like high proof yeah. too. So it's a little bit more flammable. It, it goes it goes a little higher. And it just, well, I don't recommend drinking it at that proof, though, for sure. That's When we were, during the pandemic, giving out sanitizer to everybody, it was based on that high-proof spirit. And we had to put, like, Bitrex, it's this bittering agent, to so you don't consume it, it, right? Yeah. But I, I really was scared. I was warning everybody. I'm like, don't drink this, man. This is, like, yeah, this is the high-proof. This is the real deal. It uh, One time, uh, my old man and I were lighting a, a burn pile. And we had a burn permit and everything. We had everything. You're not supposed to use accelerants, though, right? Right. But I put, a like, a Dixie cup of high-proof all over this thing, and I lit it. And my old man's like, that didn't work. It's not It's not on fire. And I was like, it's burning. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, wait a second. <laughs> 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 just, just stand back, man. Sure <laughs> So woo wee! <laughs> All right, and I'm s- smelling this, going woo wee, baby. What is this? This is my companion, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is the companion blend. We named this one specifically because we were growing Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah, and they just go so well together. This one is actually we've now the the, vi- the vineyard that we um, we purchased the Cabernet Sauvignon from also grows Petit Verdot, so this mm. has a little bit of Petit Verdot. We buy Cab and Petit Verdot. 10% p- Petit Verdot, but it's always, we. Uh, it, it's generally always e- fairly equal parts of Cab and Syrah because they just, you know, great, uh, g- great combination. Um, mm. Cabernet tends, it, Paso Cabernet may be different than other parts of the, of the, of California or the world. Um, this m- maybe a, li- a, a little, um, a little darker and, and a little less herbaceous, but Cabernet still has herbaceous characters. Yeah. Um, and Syrah just sort of a, you know, warm blanket, fuzzy blanket mm. sort of softens off some of those rough edges uh, of their herbaceousness in Cabernet. Um, it's always been, it's always a, a really popular wine that we make. We've, we've been making the azimuth that you talked about, Companion, and the Syrah that we're going to be tasting since uh, the beginning, since 2020, 2006. This Companion is unbelievable. Like that blend, that it, who, it's, um, it's one of the flagships of like La Venture, they're Optimus. Right. You're one of your next door neighbors, yeah, right? Literally, literally, literally on the other side of the fence, right there. Uh, they 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 do their their optimus the same, not the same proportions, but the same varietals, right? That are it, you know, there. honestly, you bring that up. That was that was kind of a bit of our inspiration because we we had Cabernet and we had Syrah from two separate vin. You know, mm. we had some Cabernet at the, at the the ranch where we live, and we had the Syrah on the estate vineyard. Um, 
like, well, we're Rome producers. What do we do with this Cabernet Sauvignon? And the fact that Stefan Aseo at, at Laventure was was doing that that blend with Cabernet Sauvignon Syrah, one of the very reasons he 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 uh, you know navigated himself to California. Yeah, to the United and you can States throw a rock to where he's doing it, so yeah. he was, can do it. Um, you know that plus you know when we were when we were learning about wine, Pam and I were drinking a lot of Australian Cab Syrahs blends. Yeah, and, and so this was kind of our. Like, what do we do with these two varieties? They're great alone, but we want to put them in a blend. And, and you know, Stefan was a bit of an inspiration from next door and the fact that we've been enjoying some great um, wines from Australia with those two varieties blended together. It so definitely works there, and it works here, too. These are so good. And, like, and you talk about, like, those two varietals that are going to have, like, so much character into them, Cab and Syrah, right? Like, on either side of the, the fence there, the, the Bordeaux fence or the, the Rhone side. Like, those are, like, the flagships, right? Yeah, and you put them together, and yeah, you get so much depth and character, this. and yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad you like it. It's amazing. So this this one you got to like sink your teeth into with a, a nice steak, right? Like a wow, for sure. Yeah, like this is like filet mignon with a little red wine demi glace reduction on it. So this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't even mess around with that. Just do a two and a half pound, three pound cowboy cut ribeye. Damn straight, man. Just butter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> butter. Butter. Andy, you're not screwing around, brother. <laughs> Sear that thing off in some beef tallow and you're good to go. Is that what got you into the wine industry, Andy? Was your, I have this beautiful cowboy cup, but I need some wine to pair with it. Kind of, yeah. And my father-in-law and mother-in-law got me into wine, really. You know, my now wife, Michelle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just exploring it, pairing it with food. It's just it's perfect. So at the same hotel that I, that I worked at, before I knew you, uh, before Andy ever worked for you, they come in. It, it, it's Andy before it was your wife, Michelle, right? Yes, that's correct. This is a long time ago, and so well they, before it, we got married, there's this drink <laughs> called a lunchbox, <laughs> and I, I hope this is appropriate. Uh, <laughs> when you have to ask that, you know that it's <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah I know it's podcast. not, but it's, it's, it, at this point, it, and I'm already doing it. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> Michelle's not here. It's yeah, she's not here. So yeah, she, they come in and she calls this drink the the Michelle's lunchbox, and. <laughs> And so that's how I knew them for years. Was like, right. oh, it's the Michelle's lunchbox crew. <laughs> and when, you guys didn't even live here, right? Nope, uh, yeah, no. you li- yeah down, nope. down south or and, and uh, thinking of Michelle's lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we taught you that drink, man. Yeah, <laughs> on from there. <laughs> oh man, it's something else. So that's <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, that's been all my that's my favorite cocktail in the history of drinks is the Michelle's <laughs> lunchbox. We're going to put that on the menu at, at the distillery for sure. What Sweet. is in a Michelle's lunchbox? I couldn't even tell you, but we need Michelle <laughs> here. You got a long time. I know there's orange juice. Yeah, I there's remember. orange juice, and I think it was, uh, I think it was like apricot brandy in a drop shot of like orange juice and like Coors Light or something. You're right. There's, it, 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 you drop it into a Coors Light, right? Yeah. It's With su- a little bit of orange classy. juice. Like, yeah, yeah. It just tastes like everything. In your lunchbox, you got like the fruit there. It's kind of like the PBJ. (laughs) (laughs) And his wife is this lovely woman, right? She's like, and dropping this juice box into her Coors Light, and it's it's a classy libation for sure. So the Michelle's lunchbox, I'll never forget. So classy, unforgettable cocktail. I really of my hotel bartending days. There's probably only two things that I can take from there that I really loved, and that's Carl's wine. (laughs) <laughs> Michelle's, Michelle's lunchbox. lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you need inspiration for another label name, though, Michelle's lunchbox is really a. I don't think that's taking yet either. No. So 
think yeah. it's available. I think there's probably a URL better, out there. You better go get it <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> Although we got to be careful. Let's give a Google, let's Google it first. See yeah, if, if that's know. used. Might redirect you to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll use your browser for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Michelle. Oh, Michelle's lunchbox is my companion. Okay, so that, that's dot com. Dot com. I'm in love with this wine. This is this is. The, this is the ticket. Kind of the best of what pastorables can do to me because there's so much depth here. There's so much character going on. Like this is uh, it grown in the right place too. I mean, right, you're in the heart of the Templeton Gap over there, right? Yeah, we're in the uh, technically in the Willow Creek. It's technically Willow Creek. Okay, yeah. Where's that? Where's that delineation? Delineation then, like between Templeton Gap and well, Highway Forty Six. Is it Forty Six for, for the most part so, separates it, but but because you're on that side, okay. to the east of us, not not far from some of the vineyards right next door, becomes Templeton Gap. So we're kind of on the, well, kind, of, kind of on the edge there, kind right? Of the edge, yeah. but you're still getting a lot of the coastal influence. Well, I think all of the Templeton Gap sub Appalachian in Willow Creek gets the same cooling aspects as, to some degree, um, the Adelaide district as well. Yeah. Um, even even further east to you know El Pomar and stuff. For the end of the day wines, we purchase a lot of fruit out of the El Pomar sub Appalachian. Okay. It gets it has the some of the same limestone calcareous soils has some of the same cooling aspects. Um, so you know when that gap opens up and those cooling. At, breezes come through it 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 spreads out and uh, but but the willow creek i mean it is it's the bomb it's so, the bomb dude yeah, yeah. yeah. being an, an agronomist and coming from that background did you have your eye on that district when you came here were you yeah, like I mean, i'm clearly back then it we, it was just all one appellation pastorables um sure we um we we my wife and i were looking for for properties uh, we settled on the one that we 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 live in now i live at now but we f- we saw that property it was one of our earlier the one where the state vineyard is um early on and we fell in love with it and i loved um uh going to school in napa i learned a lot about hillside viticulture and a lot mm-hmm. of that how y- how you can, can really control your destiny and how you can control the vigor of the vines and um we have uh, immense um you know a- a height differences between different parts we have multiple hills it's not just anything flat it's a it's a very unique site um so i was drawn to that i was drawn to that i was drawn to the limestone shale soils and sure. um, um you know they say in real estate location 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 and we clearly pick a good one so what is it about um using the hillsides to increase the vigor of the vines what well, decrease the vigor of vines is really it. what it is is that that um you know to stress it water water uh, you know will go to the lowest denominator. So the tops of the hills, the middle of the hills, quite often even the bottoms of our hills, especially in this drought period, we just isn't any water. So we can control the amount of vigor that the vine gets. Um, we, we can control the amount of water. We, we have a, a drip irrigation system, so we can, we can monitor that and give it just the amount of water mm-hmm. so we get just the amount of canopy growth that we need to ripen the fruit appropriately. But we're not fighting excessive vigor where you get all those green herbaceous characteristics by... By by uh, you know a site like what we have, um, if you were in a, a lower lying area or some other places where it's just flat and it's going to always be um, uh, the same, um, you know, and if you get excessive amounts of rainwater, you, there's no way to make it go away. When you're on a hillside, it you know it literally soaks in and, and goes to the lowest level. Sure. So that would increase the herbaceousness and less fruitiness. Uh, it would decrease the, the herbaceousness and increase fruitiness. So the, the I mean, reverse, if, yeah. if you were in the if oh, you were in a low line and yeah, you had yeah, more yeah, water, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. the name of the game for you? Like, what what are you looking for the most in the fruit that you're producing? Is it 
Uh, for, like just I said that, earlier, like, first and foremost, to showcase the site, what the site will deliver for you. Um, and then, you know, to get, to get the full expression that we can from the location for the fruit. So, you know, the, the ultimate, ultimate um, fruit characteristics and, and what the terroir, what the soil will bring you. So whether that's the limestone chalky characteristics. and What does that calcareous soil do for your grapes? What is that character? Uh, how does it present? Um, uh, in a number of ways. I mean, you get that, that chalky characteristics in the soil, uh, uh, from the soil. You get, um, but what it, what it does is really create, it allows the, the grapes to maintain more of their freshness than it would in just clay soils. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows the grapes just to remain a sort of natural acidity. We do very little acidulation. We do very, very little acid adds mm-hmm. to our mm-hmm. wines because of the, the site and the, and the soils allow for, um, the grapes to re- remain with high enough levels of of, of of the various acids that organic acids that we want in a in a wine to make it fresh. I mean, you said this is you like you said, Patrick. This is, this wine is you know rich and and I don't remember all the, the words you used, but bunch of good shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, but what really my my goal when making wines and, and Andy, you know, we we think alike. I'm. What our goal is is to make a balanced wine that has yeah. lots of fruit characteristics, lots of you know the other the other lovely things that terroir and soils bring to it. Balanced with acid, balanced with 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 alcohol, all of those things. Um, and then you know we talked about barrels. I mean the the, the barrel influence that it, it's in check with the wine, but. It, this you know for the Kaliza wines, I mean, it's it's all about the site. It's all it's all about the farming practices. It's all it's all about lower yields in these clay. Uh, I'm sorry, in these um, shale limestone. Uh, of course, there's a little bit of clay there too. But uh, um, and well, you said it's a balance. Low enough, low enough vigor that we can get f- the full physiological maturation of the of the grape, and then the same once we get it to the winery. Okay, and is... I don't so think it's ever been described to me so well, so thank you. Oh, thanks. Because people are always like, our calcareous soil, our calcareous soil, but nobody's ever really, you know, put it in those terms. It's, 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 it's a huge factor in the wines of Paso. There's a lots of limestone in the soil. Sure. Well, I should, I should say, since we're talking about limestone, the name Caliza means yeah. limestone in Spanish. Okay, we, well, there we you go. We purposely picked that name because we were growing in limestone soils that we were making wines from our estate vineyard that was high, high levels of calcium deposits. You see bottom millions of years ago. We find whale vertebrae and all that other kind of fun stuff in our yeah. site. Yeah, and here um, you are on Limestone Way, too. I never put <laughs> <this> <laughs> together. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Coincidence? So, I think not. Yeah, no, the, the limestone of, of, of Paso in general is, is a huge factor for the quality of the wines that we we were making here um and we 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 have a long way to go the wines are amazing they'll keep getting better over the years awesome uh before we break off to let's try the syrah real quick because i have a feeling that like this is uh, maybe i just made this up i feel like this is your flagship right like this is syrah is 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 what you love to do yeah the most Without a doubt, I mean, our, and our site, our site is um, is incredibly suitable for Syrah. We planted, and you know, you talked about why why we picked the site and all that stuff. Mm. Once we picked the site, I, I, I just knew it had to be the fire for Syrah. So fire. The initial vine- the initial vineyard was planted. Half of the initial twenty acre vineyard was planted to Syrah. Um, 
We've not in that last year, we planted five more acres and four of those five acres were more Syrah. People say, why do you double down on Syrah? Because this is what we can produce. It yeah. Is, wow. It does so well there. It it's perfect for it. so amazing. And that's a, that's a pretty bitching thing about California in general. Is just like France, we have different regions that produce different varietals, you know, uh, I don't want to say better than others, but uh, differently than others, right? And, and uh, uh, that is what's cool about California. We have so much going on here. In Paso Robles, I feel like Syrah is the varietal to grow. I think I think it's, this is the mecca of Syrah growing, yeah. for sure. With and definitely that. where we're at on the west side, Willow Creek, Tumbling Gap. Yeah. Gap, yeah. So. Okay, that was the narrative I was telling myself in my head. We <laughs> 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 first on the Ten City Podcast, which we're going to be back to you in just a second uh, for the end of our day. Ten City, eighteen forty nine. Welcome in. What'll it be, stranger? I'll take a shot and a beer. We got us quite a selection. I'll take a 10 city whiskey and a barrel house IPA. Oh no, it's the wild ale kid. Empty those pockets and reach for the sky. saved us, mister. Drinks are on the house. Nothing gets in the way. My Barrel House IPA. And this Tin City whiskey sure numbs the pain of smoking them misguided outlaws. I don't drink often, but when I do, I drink in Tin City. Enjoy Tin City responsibly. Please don't bear firearms in Tin City. Tin City, good times since 1849-ish. Oh no, it's your first time trying it? It's good, isn't it? Oh, it's good. It's good. Oh, it's good. Okay. Once it hits your lips. <laughs> it's so good. Sweet nectar of love. <laughs> Sweet nectar of the gods. Yeah, that's what end of day wines does, baby. And that's exactly where we are. We're at end of day wines over here by Kaliza Winery. Not geographically by it, but it's produced by the Kaliza Umbrella. And we're here. It literally says that on the glass. End of day wine. By Kaliza Winery. Yeah, so does the sign outside, so you can't miss us. You can't miss yeah. it, okay? So yeah. <laughs> For sure. Okay, on Limestone Way, Kaliza means limestone. That's your Spanish lesson for the day, George. Thank you. That was pretty nifty, huh? I shouldn't have taken French. <laughs> Me neither. Okay, End of Day Wine is the winery that's in Tin City. So when you're here visiting, this is what you're going to try, and that's exactly what we're going to wrap our day up with. I hope you're doing the same thing at home. Carl, what is in this glass right now? So the end of is, my day. Yeah, so this the the end of the day wines was conceived with the idea that we wanted to make wines that you can enjoy every day of the week, not oh. just the special wines on the weekend. It's popping. Um, it's fresh, man. Yeah, thanks. This is uh, so that's the idea. I mean, this was this was bottled not too many weeks ago, months ago, um, uh, pre-harvest, but but this was bottled recently, and that's the idea is that they're ready to rock. We we craft them in the winery so that they're ready to go right away. 
as you notice, all these uh, bottles of end-of-the-day wine are in screw cap. Yep. We don't want you to even hesitate getting a glass of wine on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you know, with your tacos, pizza, or whatever. Um, and so we make them fresh. We make them, um, you know, just enjoyable right away. Whether, and we always say, who doesn't want to enjoy a great bottle of wine or a glass of wine at the end of every day? Hell yeah. So that's no, the idea no, here. You know, wine key necessary. So we, we wanted to, the, the idea was to, to craft wines, um, and we have a lot of cuvées. So we can, uh, cuvée meaning blend. So we, mm-hmm. we can just blend various things together. As I mentioned earlier, we source all the fruit that we put in the end of the day wines. Um, so we, we just, we work with some of the, some vineyards all throughout Paso Robles, east side, west side. We don't care as long as they're growing great fruit and they're good people. And so that's the idea with this. You don't group. want to source wine from a dick. Jerks like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> we don't do no that. No assholes. <laughs> we don't have time for that. No. We, no. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about sourcing fruit. You have to have a relationship. You have to enjoy the person. You yeah. have to be able to get along with them. They have to work with you. you gotta trust Not them. just one year, but, you know, for hopefully decades. Yeah, and we've been we've been making the end-of-the-day wines for five or six years now, um, and we've worked with lots of different growers. One, one of the other aspects of end-of-the-day wines is that this is sort of our charitable giving or our giving back to the community line of wines. Okay. We get we, we donate a fair amount of wine, a fair amount of the proceeds from uh, the end-of-the-day wines to local charities. We're big supporters of must charities here in Paso. Um, the whole idea, if you read the back of the label, it also talks about how we want to support the farm workers and the farm workers' families and how hard they work. So, you know, there's months out of the year where they're not necessarily working because it's winter time. Sure. And so we support, we started out by supporting you know, boys and girls clubs where, you know, mom and dad are working in the vineyard and they can send the kids somewhere safe and educational at the end of the day. We help food banks and lots of other things. That's uh, awesome, man. Through this. So, and then the other thing, the reason I bring that up uh, more so, uh, because that's just personal, that's just how um, Pam and I and, and the team, that's sort of our mission is to be good to the community. Yeah, you got good but, arts. Um, um we also wanted to be able to help farmers, uh, uh, people that are farming or trying to farm. There's a lot of people that have moved to Paso Robles and said, well, how fun would it be to plant an acre or five acres in my backyard and grow grapes? And they have no damn idea what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> and they're screwing up lots of times. You tell them, don't do no, it. Di- no don't dis- do it. Uh, that's, my, that's, my, that's my give all the time. <laughs> don't do it. Just enjoy the wine, somebody else's wine. Yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, realizing there's a lot of that, and, and we, we've worked with a, a number of, of folks, um, where we, I, you know, we've been growing uh, grapes now for 17 years, um, uh, where we can come alongside some of these guys that are, are struggling a little bit, having a hard time selling their fruit, maybe not growing the best fruit, and help them grow better fruit, and in turn buy back some of that fruit. Oh, that's and cool. That's what we use for the for the end of the day wines. And every awesome. year we every year we add somebody new, somebody they may be experienced growers or maybe people that are like I said struggling to grow grapes. And or struggling to make any money growing grapes, and we we, we help them buy fruit, and um, part of like we have to like them, they have to like us, is they have to also be willing to listen to some ideas that because even though your Charles Schwab retirement planner told you, hey, start a vineyard, maybe that was bad advice. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> gro- growing grapes is tough. Don't listen to your financial planner yeah. <laughs> when it comes to planting a vineyard. <laughs> I can I can help you start find a vineyard. Way better yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's it. So it's a little bit of charitable giving. It's a little bit of uh, you know helping the community. That's great. Helping the f- helping other other folks in Paso, a little bit of giving back because really um, are very grateful for what this community has is done for the Kaliza family. Sure, and for sure, end of the day wine. So, 
that's a deal. So this is strictly a cuvee. It's a blend of many varieties that we, uh, I'll be honest, I mean, it's, it's mostly the Rhone varieties, the ones we know best. But uh, that's not to say we're not going to throw a little this or a little that in there if we can buy some fruit, some great fruit. Um, and we're always, Andy and I like to, you know, it's, it's fun to be able to experiment stuff that we're maybe not making for Kaliza, the yeah. state wines, uh, get out and find some fruit that's something fun we've never worked with before and, and do that. So. And you're the consumer, you get a drink for charity. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, just drink it to to enjoy it and, and, and not worry about, you know, this is a $30 bottle of wine. I mean, I know that's not everybody's everyday wine, but uh, um, it, it's, a, it's a much more comfortable place than where some of the price points, is, is, you know, some of yeah. the other Paso wines are. And, um, you know, drink half of it uh, one night, screw the cap on, stick it in the refrigerator, pull it back out the next night, warm it up a little bit and start again. Um, and then you got a you know fifteen dollars each night, and uh, you can't. I don't think you could beat that. No, you can't. Yeah, that's so, a glass of wine when you go out to a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know? And 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 thanks, Andy, for reminding me. But that was the other uh, thing we wanted to do with the end of the day series of wines was our Caliza Estate wines are priced such that you're not going to get, you're never going to see them by the glass, or rarely see them by the glass. I, I shouldn't say never because there's some some great restaurants in Paso that are pouring. Kaliza wines by the glass, but like the local restaurants, yeah. Um, this is more of a by the glass. This is a this wine. is this is through our distribution system a, a by the glass program wine and and you know wine shops also sell it by the bottle, but that that's the whole program. So this is the cuvee. The other one I brought today for you to try um, is uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, and we decided early on we we make Cabernet Sauvignon and we incorporate that into our companion blend on the okay. Kaliza state wines. But um, everybody knows Cabernet, so it's a, it's, a, it's a bit easier to make. And we just wanted to make a 30-ish dollar bottle of Cabernet that rocked. That rocked. And, yeah. and really over-delivered. And so that's... that's so, and this is, this is Cab, but from many different vineyards Source once again? from east side, west side okay. vineyards. And we, uh, we just pick and choose. We, you know, as, as a seller team, we, we sit and we like the idea of team blending and pick and choose what goes best together. That's pretty, that's a fun day, isn't it? Yeah. It's a well, long or, day, isn't or it? days. Days, yeah. yeah. <laughs> End of days. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's it. And the, uh, the last thing I would tell you is about, I mean, the label, if you, I mean, I know it's a uh, podcast and people listening uh, see that. Well, I know, yeah. But the label, but, uh, the label is a, uh, <laughs> is a piece of, uh, a piece of art. And um, uh, this is a little bit mo more part of the, the, you know, the community, supporting the community. Um, uh guy named Adam Welsh. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, he's a great artist. He's a, uh, he was a starving artist at the time, uh, and he was painting um, painting and trying to, you know, just money to live off of, and he was he actually made uh, this painting. We actually had him make this painting, and he painted it in Bobby Fox's garage right here in Paso Robles <laughs> for us. Um, and if you look closely the at the label, The actual mayor of Paso Robles. See, um, a lot of people don't realize that. We just wanted something that had a moon rising or sun setting, and so we got that there. We put the vintage in the middle of that. And then we wanted something that looked like field workers, and so that's what we have down here in the, the bottom. The rest is abstract, which is Adam's great at. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I you know it's uh, cool, man. He's, so he's, a, he's an amazing artist, and he's really um, doing great things. But uh, we knew him back when, when uh, a few few bucks uh, really helped him. So uh, we we're, we're thrilled to be associated with Adam in that and way. I, I like the like the watermark of Kaliza. 
in the background of it yeah, too. It's a cool, that, yeah, it's a cool. It's a yeah, I mean, this is it's not it's not bold like it is on the estate wines, but we wanted it in the background. It says cool. produced and bottled by Kalisi Winery. I didn't see it at first either. It's kind of you know, yeah. George had to hold it up and kind of move it around for me to anyway that's that's a bit of the story of end of the day wines and yeah we'd love it if people come down to tin city this is the wine the wines we pour five or six uh wine flight we have uh uh, on the weekends friday saturdays and sundays that's great i like it so yeah these two wines are the ones you'll find in the marketplace a lot too and then we make a white and albarino um that's out there a lot that you can find wait do we get to try the cab too if you want, yeah, pop that yeah thing I want to. I love it, man. I want to try anything that you make, you guys. It's interesting, like because you said it was abstract. I thought the field was like rippling water on a bay, and then being Ooh. from from Oakland, I, I saw this piece here as a crane. So like mm. where the crane, oh yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. cruise ship, uh, the ships come in there, yeah. Um, and it's, and then like I thought this was supposed to be something back here was supposed to be like a Morro Bay rock, kind of just in the distance and. It's kind of funny. It's that that's the whole idea. So many levels. People can get get out of it what they what they see. What they what yeah. They you're like, at. oh, I feel connected to that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what do you see? Yeah, that's what it is. And the, be- <laughs> yeah. and the best way, if, if you want to be connected, you got to come down here to end of day wines and try it. You got to see the artwork too. But also, damn, that is a banging yeah, thirty dollar like cab. I said, man. The, the whole goal is yep. to over deliver wow. and, and you know Andy and the team really knocked it out of the park. This is that's amazing. great. Yeah. So you were talking about how you kind of have this um, system where you support uh, smaller farmers who really need more information, need to know, don't know what they're doing, and they're trying to do this hobby farm. Yeah. I want to plant an acre of grapes. And I live along the Salinas River. And, and for most of you who are listening, you don't realize the Salinas River is just a dry patch of sand. <laughs> um, 99% of the year. It's a yeah. deep <laughs> underground river. Yeah. So and then you see George all hairy sometimes, <laughs> like coming out in the middle of the night out of the riverbed. and With the goats. It's very frightening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a legend. <laughs> um, so a spooky hollow, and there's George. We live right on the, on the riverbank, and um, like as you go up, the bank, it goes from being very sandy to very, like, high in clay. Yeah. And I wanted to just plant about an acre of it, and, you know, um, I do fermentation. Obviously, I, I know to some extent what I'm doing, and I, I thought it would be fun if I, I've got friends with resources. I could, I could press a small amount of fruit and, and make a barrel a year. Um, what would I want to plant? Well, an acre, you could probably make more than a barrel, but... Uh if it, if it was yielding appropriately, yeah. Okay, well, that hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, if you farm it right, we might be able to work a deal and well, work okay. some of that fruit into the end of the day program. <laughs> okay. You, you, you left something, you left something out here, though. Because, so I've seen George grow a lot of things down in the riverbed. What he does <laughs> is... Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so it would not, not even that, necessarily. It's not like, all grapes. It's not all, it's not all grapes. <laughs> but what he does is, is uh, he actually, like, goes and digs out a little, like, moat around when, when the river's receding, right? He'll dig something out, and then he'll plant in right in the riverbed corn and whatever the hell else you plant. And it grows pretty freaking well. And then, like, what he'll do is he'll put a little, like, a fish tank pump uh, as the river with, keeps receding. With, like, a solar, um, with a, you know, solar cell on there. And so this is, like, it was just an experiment I've done a couple years. Right. And so I'll, I'll dig trenches because, like you say, the water is running underground, yeah. Um, so if you dig down a, a foot or two, there's water there. And so, yeah, I'll put a little fish pump, the solar cell. Pump the water over to it'll, it'll just I'll just grow stuff basically straight 
in the riverbed in the sand and grow corn and uh, cucumber and tomatoes. I stopped doing that because I found out about the old abandoned uh, mercury mine. Oh, uh, yeah. Poisoning your child, <laughs> things like that. So Also, I, there might be a, just a legality issue with it in general, yeah. but I'm not sure. No, there's uh, definitely a legality issue there. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is, <laughs> a question. There's that wouldn't stop a guy like you. <laughs> but, but more about like me, yeah, trying to grow on the on the bank where it goes from more think, sandy, yeah. Loam I think the biggest the biggest key is there is is that you would want to look at where the the dividing line was, where that sand, if you could determine where that sand was and where that clay is. It's pretty noticeable, yeah. You like, would you would probably want to have com- completely different rootstock. Okay. Uh, so you know, most of the time, most of the wine, the professional grape um, vineyards are planted with a. An American rootstock with a grafted fruiting variety that typically has uh, European origins. Um, and you, we would definitely. I mean, I'm happy to work with you if you if you like some input. But you definitely want to have take the input, was, George. Something that was more sandy soil oriented rootstock and something that's more clay. And so th- like a even within a one acre vineyard, it would definitely because there there's a those that that is a quite. A, a stretch between different soil types, well, and I will say it's got to be pretty good though. You, you can't screw this up because if it's if it's going to go into a bottle like the Cleza end of day wine, it, it can't be crap. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to do it right. <laughs> yeah, I know because it's pretty and, damn good. And the delineation well, he might is, be making hooch for himself. That's pretty okay clear. Too, that's but fine I mean, too. I'll it. have you distill. Wait, guys, no, I won't. Yeah, if you guys it's turn it down, to distill it'll head of the this license, way. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <You> can't do <laughs> that. Oh. Edit that out. But um, somebody recommended that I should. Grow Sangiovese in a sandier um, segment because they be, both start with an S. I, don't, I just know that that's what they told me. Yeah, I don't. I, I I'm not that familiar with Sangiovese. Interestingly enough, we we, we purchased some Sangiovese for the end of the day lines of wine this year, but this is our first time working with it, so I, I can't really tell you for sure about that. But the, there's definitely different. I, I think more importantly, the the qual- the type of rootstock is really the factor. You could plant the entire thing to the same variety. Uh, sand and clay, oh. but the rootstock is is the driving force on what you're going to get out of that. So you don't get phylloxera, like well, you would typically not get phylloxera. Phylo- how do you say that again? Phylloxera, phylloxera in uh, in in a sandy soil. In a sandy soil, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's true, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's why we use American rootstock. But like in Argentina, they don't really need American rootstock because it's a sandier soil. I think so. Yeah, that doesn't really. Yeah. I mean, it's Fly. a, a soil-borne pest, uh, but uh, that's for another podcast. That's right. If you have any questions about phylloxera, Wikipedia that shit. Don't ask me. We're not going to talk about it on our next podcast, huh? We should talk about it on the next podcast. It's actually a really big deal. Like Historically, this is a, a crazy thing, how the Europeans sent over gifts of this well, beautiful European... Almost you know, wrecked the American wine industry. It, for sure. And the European wine industry, yeah, right? I mean, like, like as, as, as we had sent back this phylloxera to Europe and smoked their wine industry, right? But we, we had to rely upon grafting uh, American rootstock with European fruit. I'd look into something like Carignan or Cinso. Okay. Look at something like that. Say, so maybe take a note for some of the guys up in like the Lodi area and up in those old vine areas that are growing that stuff in sandy soils. Yeah. Yeah, they grow great stuff there. And it's hot up there. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. We're like Nobody, talking about how we're Carl not as said 15 people listen to the yeah, podcast. Uh, Nobody how, from how, Lodi how. listens to it. But maybe check that out. Yeah, they, don't, they probably don't even have reception on their well, phones yeah, to, to listen to this. <laughs> it's super out there. I know. Creedence Clearwater Revival is still stuck there. They can't get out. 
<laughs> yeah, to that point, I mean, don't don't plant Cabernet or Syrah or something that's no. widely planted. Plant something like he's Andy's spot on. I mean, plant something that's trendy. These are old school, old varieties, been around a long time, but are are trendy and somebody would be interested in it. Yeah, they make, make great everyday wine. drinking wines. Make great wines. I've, I've seen great great really try to, I'm just talking shit. Try to like amend a, a small amount of soil, just totally unsuccessfully. And when I, when I uh, lived in Santa Cruz, I was um, working at a at a vineyard in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and they were like, "Oh, we just put a handful of uh, you know like oyster shells in here, and we're gonna we're gonna make this. We're gonna augment the soil forever and ever." Yeah, and yeah. I was like, "That doesn't seem like it's no. gonna work." And sure enough, like you know, it's just a a, a half-baked idea, and so I knew that. Were you growing grapes there, or both? Both, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never touched the stuff myself, but I hear good things. Okay, um, <laughs> okay. We'll see how how full of shit Andy is, or or not. Actually, by trying your uh, wine, he's doing good things. He's yeah. Doing good okay, things. so this is Karn. we decide we can't say it. Carn, but spell it. C a i r j n. It's a derivative of the word cairn, which a cairn is a monument built out of stacked stones. Okay. And so, uh, but we like to refer to it as carn. Cool label too, dude. So I was actually talking to a, uh, somebody from Australia, and so the, 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 the word cairn is Gaelic in nature, and so but when she pronounced it, she pronounced it carn. And so that kind of stuck as like okay. the pronunciation of the word. So don't think of how it's spelled. It's like sommelier or phylloxera. Like, <laughs> don't think of how it's spelled. Just say it. Just say it. Carn. Um, There's a hit YouTube song that could help you remember it. It's about it's about Karn. Thanks, buddy. It's Karn. <laughs> it's Matt. No, you guys. No, no, not, no. I, you know it's got song. the juice. Yeah, it's got yeah. the juice. Yeah. So, so since we just oh, had some, it's got the juice. <laughs> it's got Andy, the juice. you got the juice. So since we just had some Cabernet Sauvignon, I figured I'd pull out. Uh, Holy shit! Something that was pretty special to me this year. This is the first year, 2020, a- that I got fruit, <laughs> and uh, I wasn't planning on doing a Cabernet Andy. Sauvignon. Um, just as uh, Kaliza, we do you a companion blend. Year, huh? I wanted to this do a Cab Syrah blend, and so bang Carl's gracious enough to sell me a little bit of Syrah off the estate. And uh, so originally it was just the Cab Syrah blend, but this Cabernet that I got from uh, actually Jada Vineyard. Um, oh, wow. It's just really good. And I didn't need to bottle That's great. my first vintage, like 200 cases of a Cab Syrah blend. So here we go, 50 cases of Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm really glad you didn't uh, listen to Michelle about the the whole lunchbox idea. Like, you went the right direction with this. (laughs) 100%. And so we do sprinkle in a little bit of Kaleesa straw in there to give it that sweetness. Just uh, kind of round it out a little bit. I love this because we've talked about three different wine brands under this umbrella. We've tried way more than three wines here. And everything sings across the board. Like I mean... Even your first wine, right? This sings, man. Thanks. This is great, guys. Thanks. He's doing a great job. He probably had a pretty good teacher, too. I'd no. like to think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pat himself on the back. Come on. But Heck, yeah. All, That's, across the board. That's this what we're doing here. Stuff, you yeah. know? We're not messing around. Okay, and where can you get your wine? Nowhere. That not, makes it so not, much more special to me right yet. now. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. So this is yeah. literally the first kind of experience of people being able to taste the wine. Um, really? We're getting licensing awesome. in place, but we, won't, we, won't, we don't have a tasting room location yet, um, but we will be pouring at the Garagiste coming up in November. Awesome, man. And, okay. And uh, basically at that point, we'll, we should be able to be open A lot of people sales. who aren't from around here don't know what the Garagiste Festival is. Um, what is it and where is it? 
So the Garage East is a festival that showcases small producers. I mean, you can be as small as making 50 cases of wine, or I think if up to 1,500, I think, is their limit, somewhere in that, that range. Um, and then they do a, they do ta- they do a, essentially a festival, a, a, a gathering of, of wineries to showcase their wines and pour their wines, especially for so many people like myself that don't have a tasting room and don't really have a chance to get in front of people all that often to, to taste wines. So um, the one coming up in November is always in Paso, and it's held at the event mm-hmm. center. Um, but they do a few throughout the year. I think they do one in uh, Santa Monica, uh, down south. They do one in Solvang, uh, one in Sonoma, and I think they do one other as well. But So that's where you're going to get a hold of your wine, or at least try it. <laughs> That'll be the first chance for people yeah. to really okay. get out there and try it. Yeah, I think you better get there because at the amount of case production you're doing, I think it's going to get sold out. Yeah, it's, first it's, it's really small. And this Cabernet Sauvignon, I mean, I pulled it out for my best pals here, you know, so <laughs> – uh, this is something that will That's be so um, kind of a wine club only option because we only we didn't make that much of it. Um, so in in order to get that, you're going to have to kind of join the family. So okay, well um, to determine how quality this really is, the way to do it, I, I, I didn't make this up actually. This is uh, something I've heard for a long time. So um, if you can read the Surgeon General's warning in the most ridiculous Shakespearean. Accent you possibly can, <laughs> Andy. This is this, 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 no way. No, no. You, you don't understand. Like you have to do this if you want to be a winemaker in Paso Robles. Considering everybody else does this. Considering Karen is a is a is a Gaelic word. You yeah. Also do it in an Irish. An Irish. Go over the top. And like, I wouldn't even you know, know where to if, start. If you do a bad job right now, nobody's gonna drink the wine ever. Ho <laughs> According to Sergeant General. Women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. This feels more like a 1920s, like... Yeah. <laughs> Come on, get Gaelic, man. I don't even know how to get Gaelic. I'm not Gaelic. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, fine. He might not be Gaelic, but the wine is f- sings. It's great. This is, this is incredible. So, across the board, guys... Um, yes, Irish eyes yeah, are smiling. Yeah, it, it, you, you guys make great wine. You don't necessarily read the Surgeon General's warning very well, but besides that, your winemaking skills. <laughs> that are, means that we're good winemakers, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> stick to the you day can't job. Just be everything. I mean, you know? the British don't make great wine. So, no. come on. <laughs> <laughs> they're not great dentists either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, they're great at being imperialistic. That's their number one thing, man. Here, here. Here, here. <laughs> I'm not going to get political on this one. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys, really, a great smorgasbord of wine. That is the technical term for this many wine bottles that we've just tried, for sure. The holidays are coming up. If you are looking for any kind of wine, come to End of Day, come to Kaliza, and definitely taste through these wines. This is incredible. Okay. And please go to the Garage East Festival. It's super fun. These are Wines that you really won't try anywhere else. Um, it's it's kind of a one of a kind thing. Do you do Garges still? Carl? Yeah, we still do because we were at the one of the founding wineries that's the very first sure. Garages yeah. Festival. Actually, the two founders of Garages. Oh, the are two founders, the damn friends of mine. And oh, yeah. knowing that I was in the event business for twenty five years, they came to me when they were thinking about putting this. So what the hell together. should we do, huh? And the, yeah, you know, <laughs> pick my brain and stuff. Not not that I had anything to do with it. I'm not I'm not claiming that, but but. Uh, but since we were one of the first wineries that ever was there, they've grandfathered us in. That's we, cool. we still put on the paperwork and we make 1,500 cases of wine, but we are a little <laughs> bit over that. Um, but yeah. they still allow us to come in. So come 
come see uh, me at the Kaliza table. Come see Andy at, at the Carn label. I'll be about two tables down because it's usually yeah, alphabetical. Yeah. So we'll, we'll there's be, two places. It's okay, <laughs> we'll it's okay to lie about yeah, <laughs> case production for the Garagees Festival, and it's okay to lie about how much money you make to the IRS. Those are the two things that it's totally <laughs> kosher for. Yeah. You're the rule maker today. I love this. <laughs> can you hang around? We can change some other rules. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Bring them on. Okay. Yeah. And if you come to the end of the day tasting room at the right time, you can experience some winemaking happening, especially in the oh, fall yeah. or at, at the right time. You know, you never know when we're blending or bottling yeah. or so we're sitting in doing the, fun we're things. sitting in the cellar, and this is often this very space we're sitting right now is oftentimes where we set up tables for tasting in the tasting room. Oh, uh, cool! Smells well like as, chocolate. Not a bad place well, to be. Well, as yeah. out, outside, if the weather is right, we have a little bit of little room over there. COVID kind of nicks the, nicks the room for a while, but we sort of. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of space and, and COVID. What's that? Yeah, we uh, we have a good authority to uh, Carl and Andy do tastings uh, shirtless quite often too. Yeah, yeah. So our <laughs> sure. uh, muscles. Got my Daisy Duke some weekends. Yes. You know, it's hot in Paso. <laughs> okay, so it, it it is time for shots o'clock. Are we doing it with your beer this time? I think uh, we should. Doesn't that sound great? Yeah, I don't really think I need to take any shots of hard alcohol right now. Yeah, go grab that cold brew, George. All right. Let's do okay. that. All right, hustle up, Kimosabi. Good stuff. Okay, so. Good stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of lot today, didn't we? The table's full. Oh, yeah. The, like Lemonade. We tried a little bit of wine, everything. Uh, beer. Did you bring an extra four-pack of this? Yeah, it's got your name on it. Okay. It takes a lot of vodka lemonades to make wine, so I hear. Maybe I made that up. Maybe you trying to you're trying to take over the beer <laughs> beer realm. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of non-wine okay. beverages consumed during there's harvest. That's for sure. Down there. You need a new glass. I use this season glass right here. Do you think so? Yeah. Oh, we can give them a rinse. Oh, it's fine. There's new ones. It's whatever. Yeah, give, Haven't give, you ever had a beer before? Give them a rinse. It's beer. Nobody cares what they drink it out of. Oh my god, I hate you. So much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just beer. <laughs> You're talking to the man about that. Okay, normally we do shots of clock, shots of clock, shots of clock with and, and uh, of days <laughs> and o days and o days with our Tin City Distillery booze. But today we're gonna drink George's Barrel House oh, Cold Brew, that. just cold brew. It's it's called a, a blonde stout. It's kind of a one of those fanciful, you know, uh, styles that was kind of made up. That <laughs> was made up. Yeah. I guess that's not every style. Is it everything, yeah. is it everything it's not made in up? It's the official brewer's uh, handbook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just yeah do when you, when you go to you competition, want. there isn't like a, a blonde stout category. But the idea of a blonde stout is that like if you had your eyes closed and you smelled it, you'd be like, oh, that's definitely a dark beer. Um, but when you look at it, it, it's a blonde. That's um, the category you made up. I like that. I didn't make it up myself. It, some other brewery made it up, and, and, and it was like a, a, a hit kind of thing for a, for a couple of years, but we just really nailed it. We make it every year, and we, we, we just packaged it, and we love it. it it's like a, it's a blonde ale. It's a very malty blonde ale. With a, it's heavy with lactose. Lact- for the, you get a lot of mouthfeel out of the that, body too. Feel, yeah, yeah, the body so it's, to it. it's seasonal. It comes out at this time. Exactly, and, and we add a lot of uh, Tahitian vanilla, and then we also use um, coffee from Dark Nectar. We had them come up with a bunch of different roasts for us, and we settled on um, an Ethiopian bean with the, basically it was like the darkest medium roast, so it's not like burnt, you know? Mm-hmm. So you retain a lot of the oils, but you just get a lot of the deep chocolatey aspects of, of that roast. And um, it's so smooth. It's the greatest breakfast beer 
there ever was. Well, today is dessert beer because we just had all these great wines. Usually it's beer before wine, right? Well, I thought I'd bring it because, you know, like sometimes people use coffee to, to clear their palate between tastings. Sure. It seemed, it seemed uh, like Seems a appropriate. reasonable, appropriate thing to bring. Okay, but, so uh, what we're, we're going to do is we're going to go around, though. We're going to say something we're grateful for before we drink it. So this is Shots O'Clock, but with Barrel House beer instead. Sure. Okay, so George always likes to start. He likes to do this first, and uh, we're going to let him. So we, we just say something we're grateful for, and then because we like positivity in the world, right? I'm just thankful for the team I work with at Barrel House. I, I think it's a great team. We all support, he, support each other a lot, and... Um, I'm just trying to come up with something different because Patrick always starts with like, "Oh, I'm so grateful for all you guys." I right do always here. do it first. I just want to throw like, it off to him. Yeah. Then he makes me last, and that's really what you're. I know, but you're I changed it up. Right. Yeah. Okay. You're, so you're a pal. Okay. <clears throat> I'm grateful for changing up the order of the universe today, so you got a chance to go first instead of me. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome, Patrick. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Cheers to that. Okay, Andy. Uh, I'm grateful for an incredibly supportive family at home because at this time of year, I'm gone pretty much all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, and uh, to have Michelle as my support, keep me packed lunches, dinner ready when I get home. You're Michelle's, working all the time. Michelle's yeah. lunchbox. It's bring my son keys by to see me. It's good. You must be great so. in bed or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break that down. <laughs> good wine, good <laughs> shirtless tastings, and Daisy Dukes. Ah, there you go. That's what that's what Kalisa does best. <laughs> well, bad. unlike you two, that get to do this every time. I I don't, but so I would just say, you know, overall, I'm just I'm grateful for the Paso community that it, you know sort of embraced us and. We came here from uh, from elsewhere to to be part of the community and growers and and the like. And I I'm I'm super grateful for the the client base and the customers we have at Kaliza that, that that love our juice. I mean, we're not a flashy brand. We're you know we're we're not out there in neon or anything like that. But we have an amazing following of people that um, literally become friends of uh, me personally, my wife Pam and I personally, as well as the as the community uh, of the Kaliza family. And uh, I'm thankful for the team that we have. We have an amazing team of people. Um, couldn't do it without them. And uh, we continue to grow every single year. And I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful we for all these blessings. Hey, and you're on the money because you, what you've done in the community has really been a huge integral part of it. When I think of Pastor Obels and I think of hospitality, Carl Bowker is one of the names that pops up every time. Thanks. Cheers to you guys. Cheers, Cheers guys. <sighs> Damn, wow. George, that's, that's pretty good. That's amazing. That's hit the spot, right? That's great. You'll be drinking. I, I left the, the rest of the four pack in your fridge. You'll be drinking it tomorrow morning. Feel like a million. I bucks. will be drinking. That gives me a little morning. <laughs> <laughs> First thing when you get here, man. That's a harvest is done, baby. Okay. Six a.m. pump over and cold brew from cold my friend brew, George baby. at Barrel House. I, I love it because it's it's not heavy, but it's got that richness and that creaminess. And that, oh yeah, it's yeah. so good. I, I'm not even like a huge coffee drinker, but I love this beer. It's amazing. So well done, buddy. Yeah, not bad. That'd be perfect on my Cheerios. all right come on down to tin city we got booze we got beers and we got end of day wines by kaliza winery okay it's the place to be thank you for joining us for another tin city podcast thanks guys for for joining us we really appreciate it thank you for uh, sharing the wine with us thank you for sharing your your new project over here andy Karn. Karn. i nailed that didn't i one syllable patrick (laughs) 
It's got the juice. It's got the juice. George's favorite song. It's stuck in my head constantly. All right, boys. Uh, cheers and have a wonderful rest of your harvest season. Thank you for letting Thanks. us uh, interrupt it. Thanks appreciate for including it. us in this. All right, cheers. Party on. <laughs>